0: This is an RNZ podcast. Last weekend here on MediaWatch, we heard how the New Zealand Herald's publisher NZME made a bold bid to buy its biggest rival stuff for $1 from the Australian company that owns it, Nine Entertainment. NZME has tried for almost five years to merge with or buy up its big rival in newspapers and online news and it would be a huge move for New Zealand journalism if it ever happened, not to mention a big move for our public life too. NZME reckoned it had a deal whereby only it could buy stuff from Nine at the moment, but Nine said no and that no deal would be done with NZME at all, after which NZME went to the High Court for an injunction to stop a sale to any other buyer. On Tuesday, Judge Sarah Katz announced that she had dismissed NZME's request for an injunction, so in effect Australia's Nine Entertainment was free to try and sell New Zealand's biggest news publisher. And her full judgment released on Thursday also revealed... Another buyer had been in talks with the Australians to buy stuff by the end of this month. But the identity of that buyer was not revealed. Alongside stuff on the block right now are the nation's most popular magazines, which also have an offshore owner trying to get rid of them by the end of the month. Bauer Media, the global Hamburg-based publisher, shut down its entire stable of New Zealand magazines and put them up for sale with no prior warning in early April. And last week, the consultants tasked with that sale set a deadline of the 29th of May for anyone wanting to buy the likes of the New Zealand Woman's Weekly, North and South, The Listener, Next, Your Home and Garden and others, which are currently not being published at all. Bauer cited the volume of interested parties as the reason for pushing the sale deadline back and it told subscribers now missing their favourite magazines in their mailboxes that this was good news. Uncertainty over the new owners of key New Zealand media outlets, and where they're based, is not good news, according to former New Zealand Herald editor-in-chief Gavin Ellis. We now face the prospect of nine selling stuff to an unidentified overseas buyer with undisclosed intentions, Gavin Ellis warned in his blog this week. So are our important media now vulnerable to foreign vultures looking for distressed assets to pick up and pick clean? Well, last week, the government amended the Overseas Investment Act to protect key New Zealand assets from falling unnecessarily into foreign ownership in the fallout from COVID-19. And the National Interest Test Guidelines, which were established last November, do specify that media entities which have an impact on New Zealand's media plurality are subject to that test. Now, when Gavin Ellis was editor at the New Zealand Herald many years ago, its local owner was taken over by a bigger one based in Ireland. This week, Gavin Ellis warned, no good can come of foreign ownership in our media. But foreign investors already have big stakes in New Zealand media, and what if good buyers from overseas might actually be the best option to help our stricken media companies survive and even thrive?
1: Look at look at what's happening with those stakes. Now, in the case of MediaWorks, which of course is owned by two private equity companies, one in America, one in Australia, uh, they're trying to sell off the television arm of their operation already. Uh, In the case of NZME, slightly different situation in that no one uh, financial institution uh, has a majority shareholding. It's a listed company and there are financial institutions with holdings, but no one of them is in a position to uh, exercise control over the board. You know, when I look at, look at media works, I don't think that private equity ownership uh, has benefited that group uh, uh, to, any, to any great degree.
0: In the Herald, uh, the article that they ran of yours this week, they published it under the Stark headline, there are no benefits to foreign ownership of media, uh, which is pretty unequivocal. But uh, why isn't it possible there are good offshore owners, media owners that might just invest here, particularly if they could get a good deal at the current time, and it might even be good in the long run?
1: Well, look, if there was an established media owner, let's say... Um, the Guardian's owner, the, the Scott Trust Limited, wanted to buy stuff. Then, yes, I could see real benefits to that. But that's pie in the sky thinking it simply won't happen. Our media companies are in retreat. The likelihood of an established media company, an international one, taking uh, taking over one of our media companies, I think is remote. The far greater possibility is, as I say, private equity, and I don't see any benefits. They don't bring any expertise to the to the party, uh, apart from perhaps um, financial and boardroom expertise, but that's all.
0: Well, you pointed out this week that the national interest test that applies to overseas investments, these rules were put in place in, in November, you know, pre the COVID crisis, but they did specify media entities that have an impact on New Zealand's media plurality. Um, At that time, David Parker, uh, the minister, actually said it's in the interests of open democracy that sometimes we should be able to control whether our media are controlled by overseas entities or New Zealand ones. So do you think then that the government has actually recognised the problem and, and will be
1: alive to it? In theory, they have. And uh, I was pleased to see the inclusion of of, uh, media in in that guidance note. Um, However, uh, it remains to be seen whether they are prepared to do anything about it, because I get a sense that um, the current government sees newspapers in particular as something of a of a failed business, it may not want to intercede. I wouldn't take it for granted the government would say intercede in the case of stuff uh, if it's a private equity owner. Uh, As I said in that that article, those rules will will stop a, a media company being owned by the Russian mafia and some of the less reputable private equity companies. But if it's a run-of-the-mill, straight-up-and-down private equity company, then that in itself is not a prohibition. So that's not going to stop anything. It's a matter of what is the best way of ensuring that the media in this country, which are in a very, very delicate state, um, are nurtured in the future, not necessarily uh, through the same sort of ownership structures that we have now. You know, I've I've advocated ownership structures to include things like trusteeship and... um, tax-free status for public service companies and so on. Uh, So there are many ways in which we could move it forward without simply uh, selling to whoever ever comes forward.
0: If, you could, if we look at the Bauer titles, people said uh, when they pulled the plug so suddenly in early April, well, that just goes to show we shouldn't have let them amass such a huge range of titles in this country and achieve that dominance because look what happens when they're no longer interested. However, in the current climate, <laughs> you can imagine if a publisher like that, came in and expressed an interest, you know, a, a European-based global conglomerate uh, dedicated to media publishing, that, you know, not a hedge fund, not a private equity fund. People would have welcomed them with open arms, wouldn't they? Well,
1: perhaps not now, knowing, knowing what can happen. But uh, in, in any other circumstances, yes, I think that's probably the case. So we need to be wary of, of foreign ownership because, you know, I really don't think foreign owners have the same stake in it that uh, local owners owners have. And you only have to look at uh, uh, an outfit like Allied Press in Dunedin, where the Smith family live in Dunedin. They are rubbing shoulders with the people of Dunedin all the time. And I think that's reflected in their attitude towards the sort of stewardship of the Otago Daily Times and their other titles.
0: Well, another quote from your piece, Gavin, was you saying the the first step is to recognise journalism as a strategic asset over which New Zealanders must have control. And the amendments to the Overseas uh, Investment Act just last week uh, to protect key New Zealand assets from falling into foreign ownership unnecessarily in this post-COVID weakness that we're in now, uh, they're acknowledging that. The the example David Parker gave, though, was a tourism company that might have zero value right now but is still strategic. Once the industry gets going, it's best to still have that up and running and available to start again when the industry does. But you, you just don't think they see the media in the same way.
1: I, I, well, it remains to be seen, but so far we haven't seen any evidence that the government would put into seed, uh, in any way in relation to, to the ownership of stuff uh, or media works if it comes to that. Uh, so, look, the potential is there for the government to exercise that care over, over media assets and to regard them as strategic. Uh, and it's it's at least recognised the possibility of that. What we now need to see is them acting on it.
0: And the Bauer magazines uh, that are now on the block, it seems as though in pushing back the deadline, the strategy appears to be uh, breaking up and selling them in parcels, breaking them up that way and maybe finding buyers for groups of them. Do you think the same possibly could happen uh, with stuff in its newspapers that no one perhaps wants to be involved in, Taking on responsibility for this huge national news gathering network and and all the liabilities associated with publishing papers up and down the country, but locally, even local buyers might be interested in uh, taking over papers, giving a, making a go of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Wairarapa Times Age is a good example of that. Uh, went into local private ownership and and is doing doing quite well. Uh, look, in theory, yes, the the stuff titles could be sold to. In, individual or local local interest. But there is a real impediment to it. And that is the centralization of editorial and advertising services within Stuff. Stuff is a highly centralized business. If you were buying a, a, a local title, say the Southland Times, what would you actually be buying apart from the masthead uh, and perhaps a small number of, of staff when so much of the operation is Uh, is centralised, it runs across the entire group, it's far more likely that it would have to be sold as a single-going concern rather than broken up into individual parts. One way it could happen is if if individual titles were sold on the basis of them buying into a cooperative, that they still have centralised services... The ownership is in individual hands. So I could see it working, uh, but that would require a considerable undertaking, both on the the part of stuff, uh, ensuring that all of the potential buyers bought into that system, uh, because it would fall apart if you only had some of them involved in it. But it's by no means impossible Uh, that the destiny of our media residing in the areas that they serve, I think that there is real value in that.
0: And finally, Gavin, a um, couple of years back you wrote a book called Complacent Nation uh, in fact, longer than a couple of years ago, but you argued at the time the public wasn't aware of the fragility of uh, the media businesses and, and the importance of them in our public life and it would take some sort of shock uh, you you said at the time uh, to make them wake up to it, well uh, the media's had a hell of a shock along with the rest of the country these last couple of months do you think uh, they've got the picture now with where the media fits in or you know, such as the scale of the shock that the Last thing they're really worried about or concerned about is um, you know their newspapers, magazines, and other media outlets. Uh,
1: I'm afraid it's it's that exactly that there are too many other shocks for the media to have yet registered uh, as as top of mind, and, and that's understandable. Um, but in time, the crisis in our media will become evident to to people particularly if they suddenly find that the information on which they rely is no longer there. You imagine COVID-19 if we didn't have the media to tell us about it. I hate to think.
0: That was Gavin Ellis, a former editor-in-chief at the New Zealand Herald who had personal experience of that publication being taken over by an offshore owner.